never, ever marks the spot. I am altering the deep. Pray I don't alter it any further. this week's episode of the Top 5 Report, the podcast that loves playing games, and we also agree that crying is a free action. My name is Drew, I'll be your host for the evening, along with me, as always, would be my brother Peter, but he's out of town for one more week, so joining us, like he did last week, uh, is my friend Adam Hills. Adam, welcome to the show. Hello, hello. Um, I believe at this point... Pete, your services are no longer required. Thank you, and uh, have a good one. Oh, you're not even going to give him a sign-off? <laughs> no, he's done. Um, I was going to have, uh, for those of you who are listening, and we talked about this a little bit last week, I was going to try and have, with Peter being gone two weeks in a row, I was going to try and have a different guest each week, but the guest I was going to have kind of fell through, so I hit Adam up, and he was gracious enough to... Uh, not have uh, a life. Not have a life and join us for the evening. Yes. Um, so, Adam, welcome back. Thank you. Thanks for having me um, back. What, um, let's hop, oh, how about this? How was your 4th of July? <laughs> um, pretty uneventful. Still have all my fingers and my eyes, so yes, I got someone, that going for me. Someone woke up the morning of the 5th without a full hand. <laughs> my neighborhood sounded like Beirut. Yeah, so did mine. And um, it was, it, I just, if, if there was gunshots fired, no one would have known. No. Like, no. <laughs> it was ridiculous. Um, I've never, I've actually, the second I, had, I was out at a party, the third I was out at a party, stayed up way too late, the fourth I was here. Actually, with my dog for a change and not out at a party, <laughs> and I didn't realize how like horribly scared of fireworks he actually was. Like, a neighbor fires off a firework, the dog freaks out. But this is like sustained like, PTSD. This, 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 yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, he was very happy that I was home on the fourth. So, um, yeah, I just stayed up to make sure he was okay. Um, but yeah. Um, well, how about this? Have you watched anything since you and I last talk talked? Um. Not that I can think of. I've been watching a lot of YouTube. Um, since we last talked, I, I did watch your movie, The Dance. Yeah. Um, uh, but that's really about it. I haven't seen anything else on TV. I was going to watch The Tomorrow War last night, but uh, watching it on my laptop, I just couldn't hear it. So I was like, I'm missing so much dialogue. I'm just going to wait until I oh, okay. hear this some other time. That's about it, man. Well, overall, what did you think of my movie? It was it was interesting. I liked I liked all of the little things that I picked up that most people missed, like you right. know, the Stargate references and all the time travel right. references, and you know, there were a couple where you know I looked right at you and I was like, "You son of a bucket!" Like <laughs> I just I knew exactly what you were doing there, at that point. There was there was one poll from uh, Stargate that like I, there's no way I could not have avoided doing that. Like you know what I mean. Um, and then we tried to do, we looked at so many time travel things to put homages to things mm -hmm. in the film. Um, and, uh, like if you looked at the, like there's a whiteboard on the screen. So literally I was looking up like theories and 
uh, equations and stuff like that. And I was like, oh, I'm putting this on the board. And, and it was really like Easter eggs for audiences because right. why not? There's a shot where a kid's got... There's a, there's a real close-up shot of one of the kids, but behind him, if you look on the shelf, you'll see the Back to the Future DVD and the Looper DVD. <laughs> and like, <laughs> we were like, let's put a, let's put as many options as we can in, but we're trying to tell a... Because the Groundhog Day story is nothing new. We, how many right. times have people done time loop stories? And we just thought it'd be fun to do something. It was, it was an easy thing to do as we worked through it, and we got to learn as we did it at the same time. So it's like, let's do something simple and easy, a simple, concise story, and take a new spin on whatever, and yeah. kind of went from there. So, um, But I'm glad you enjoyed it. Yeah. Um, it was a good time. I did watch The Tomorrow War. Okay. Um, so I will try and be spoiler free because I was like, hopefully you watched it, I was and we could literally too, like, like we could uh, like spoil just, the crap out of it. Like that um, opening scene where he's on the phone with you know the guy, and I'm like, I'm trying to hear what the guy is saying, and I'm only getting one side of this dialogue, and I'm right. just like, all right, I can't hear this, I gotta stop. Well, the uh, over look, I'll probably give the movie a seven out of ten. I'm, I'm that's okay. what I'm hearing. Like it's really good. Um, the opening of the movie to me felt very forced. Okay. Um, but as I got about halfway through the movie, I thought to myself, well, the characters were forced into the story, (laughs) so maybe that was meant to be this kind of meta Mm. story technique where I'm supposed to feel forced just like the characters feel forced and just cruise along with the ride with them. Um... Ultimately, if you don't know what this movie is, if you look up the trailer, it's basically there's a alien invasion that happens in the future, and then so the people from the future come back in time to recruit people to come help them fight because they're losing the war and there's not enough people to help fight these aliens. So they have to like basically draft from the past, if you will. I guess is the best way of wording. Yeah. Um, that seemed really weird to me at first, and I was really trying to wrap my head around some of how that stuff worked, and then I was like, just enjoy the ride. It's basically yeah. what my brain did. Like, just enjoy the ride. Um, I'll say this. The creatures, I didn't know if I liked them at first, and then, have you? how far did you get? I got about three minutes into it. Okay, so the creatures- Literally, when he walks outside and, like, throws something away in the garbage and is still talking to the guy, that's where I stopped. Okay, okay. <laughs> like, that's... You didn't get very far. No, I told... So, I, like, I couldn't hear it. I'm like, well, I can't hear it. I well, can't if hear you've it. seen the trailer, you get a brief glimpse of the creatures, but nothing real up close. Sure. The creatures themselves, I didn't like them at first, and then when you get to see, like, legit combat with them, they... Re- I really, really enjoyed it. It's very clear that these guys... Um, whoever made the, the the creators of the film were very into like in terms of visuals like aliens and like aliens from the alien franchise right. and then like starship troopers and like okay. let's make these like more bug than m- more bug but let's still give them that like they were really menacing let's put it that way they were dangerous dangerous aliens and like they really like they there were some really intense like firefights and stuff with them which was pretty cool <laughs> so um but yeah overall like like i said about seven out of ten by the uh i was about midway through the movie and i was really enjoying what i was watching um there was some really in, like the fight some of the firefight stuff was really really intense um it gets i was like oh it's just a regular action movie it's just a regular alien shoot 'em up action movie but then it gets gorier and gorier as it goes. <laughs> like, there's, like there's a sequence at the end, you're just like, Ugh. <laughs> they really, uh, they really dialed up the creature effects on like later on in the movie yeah. as you deal with it. Um, 
and then they threw kind of a curveball at you in terms of like where the aliens come from because they tell you one thing and then you find out something else right. and you're just like, oh, that's interesting. And it's just, I don't want to say it's a twist because if I say it's a twist, technically that's a spoiler. Right. Like when someone, like when uh, the movie Sixth Sense came out and they're like, you'll never see the twist coming. Well, that means there's a twist in the movie. And now you're looking for <laughs> and it. And now you're looking for it. So ultimately it's spoiled. And Sixth Sense was ruined for me ten minutes in because I was like, well, that's probably the twist. And then I was mad at the movie the rest of the time. Um, Where this, I can't say it's a twist so much as it's something that I I would not have seen coming in terms of what the story was. Sure. And then when your brain starts to piece it together, you're just like, oh, my God. Like, you know, so. All the pieces are there. But they're they're pointing to something else, and then if you just turn one the right way, the rest of the pieces line up to something else. Yeah. Right, and that's and that's why I say like it's yeah. not a turn, it's not a twist, it's just oh I didn't see that coming kind of <laughs> a moment. Twist. Right. So I can't say that the twist in in the realm of spoiler territory. But overall, I enjoyed it. I definitely give it a rewatch. Sure. No, I'm yeah. looking forward to it. I was kind of hoping. If I wasn't doing anything tonight, I would be watching it tonight. But, no, sorry, you know. sorry to drag you away. I know, like I said, literally no life. <laughs> um, and then, uh, um, and then I am what four days away from getting to see Black Widow, so yeah. I'm really excited to see yeah. Black Widow. Um, I don't know when I'm going to go see Black Widow. Now, I was hoping I didn't get a chance to get this in, but I was hoping to watch uh, Bill and Ted Face the Music. Because mm. I just saw that it's streaming on uh, Hulu, and okay. that was my plan before we sat that before I sat down for the show. But I did not get a chance to get that in. There was too much going on this weekend. So, but yeah, but I really want to. Right now, it's it, <laughs> it's it wasn't a have to do it before the show, but right. I'll get I'll get it in and gonna, I'll get my review. So <laughs> I, gotta, I just got to start learning to bring headphones to work because I just can never hear in there. My laptop speakers are so quiet. Or put on sub subtitles. You don't. You don't want to. You don't want to read. No, a, <laughs> no. You can't read a movie. No, I um, can. I just choose not to because I've, it pulls me out of it. Like it. And I, I understand that. I've actually considered, and I've heard several people say that I should watch The Mandalorian with subtitles, because the Mandal the subtitles for Mandalorian will like when they're approaching a planet, you get the names of the planets. Mm, you know what I mean? Sure. The names of the starships. Yeah. And I'm just like, oh, that's lore that you wouldn't normally mm, get, yeah. and yeah. that's. That's, That's cool. really interesting. So, but yeah, all right, man. Yeah. So, um, the only person I know who actively watches a movie with subtitles and enjoys it is my son. He watches the 60s Godzilla movies with subtitles. He doesn't watch them with the American dub. He watches them with subtitles. Hey, and, and, and what's funny is you're just like, well, he's reading. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, oh, this is so weirdly bad. <laughs> but at the same time, you're like, eh, he's eh, reading. He's reading. <laughs> <laughs> at least that's the case. <laughs> um, he may be speaking Japanese by the end of this. Who knows? Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Um... Let's uh, let's hit the news, shall we? Okay. Um, we got a piece of sad news that I have to bring up. Um, Richard Donner passed away. Oh yeah, I saw that. Yeah, so he was ninety-one. Dang. Uh, looks like it was old age. Um, I look. Richard Donner is. I mean, he had he had a big film career, but the one he's probably most famous for is Superman. Mm-hmm. Superman the movie, and um, in the realm of saying that it was a perfect film. All movies have flaws. All You can't necessarily say movies are perfect. But right. one group of people who says that is a perfect superhero film and you don't get 
to Endgame if this movie didn't exist and this Marvel Studios. Right. They truly believe that that is the perfect superhero origin story. It's the perfect superhero film. It doesn't matter what other movies came before them or after them or whatever. That's what Marvel believes. Now, whether you buy that or not, Kevin Feige has a production crew. They He says that every time they sit down before any pre-production on any Marvel film starts, they all watch Superman, Superman. movie. Wow. Um, so we know they've watched it at least 23 times. <laughs> <laughs> but every time they sit down for pre-production, they'll do a pre-production meeting, they will watch that movie, and then they start the they start their movie. And that's awesome, but that's a testament to really studying how to make a proper Superman film. Right, or a superhero um, film, yeah. Yeah, or yeah, superhero film. So, um, and Richard Donner, uh, and I don't know, I've never actually seen the Donner cut of Superman 2. Uh, Superman 2 is famous for a Zack Snyder cut version of mm-hmm. Superman 2 because, was not aware of that, because okay. Richard Donner was pulled off the film and they had another director come in and kind of fix it. Got it. Um, and then later people were like, release the Donner cut, release the Donner right. cut. And it basically that was the original <laughs> Snyder cut, if mm-hmm. you will. And here we are. That version is out. I don't know if I've ever seen it. Um, I was well and I it wasn't long ago that I found out about that. Yeah. So um, I looked into my version, and I don't have the Donner Cut, unfortunately. So maybe I'll get a chance to see that sometime. But um, I just want to say, uh, Richard Donner, thank you for what you've done. Thanks for helping us believe a man could fly, and um, you know, rest in peace. So did you have anything to add to that, or no? No, or? not really. I mean, you pretty much summed it up. Um, okay. Got it. I want to look at his filmography, because I know there's a ton of movies that I've seen of his, and... You stuff into like the, the mid and late eighties too. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I, yeah. right now nothing comes to mind, which is odd. Yeah. Um, well, from Superman to Indiana Jones, this caught my attention, and uh, so <clears throat> in the world of cosplay, I don't really do cosplay. No. So much, but I have over the years pieced together an almost film accurate Indiana Jones costume. Well, that is exciting. And when I say almost film accurate, like my gun holster is not proper. <laughs> um, I don't have the gun, right. but every time someone asks me why I don't have the gun, I'm like, well, in Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom, he didn't have it. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Gun. So I don't necessarily need to have it, and it allows me to wear that costume wherever where I don't have to worry about someone questioning the right. gun and the holster. Where's the gun? <laughs> right. It fell down the hole. Right. Yeah. And then the hat... The Indiana Jones hat, if you actually look at other people with Indiana Jones costumes, their hats aren't always correct. Right. Mine is an actual Lucasfilm replica that I got my hands on, so it's a legit Indiana Jones hat, which is awesome. Um, and but, pricey. And, and pricey, but like I said, it's like a real close... Um, real close to screen accurate. Now, right. the um, I did have to... I threw it on randomly for a day at work. Back when I was working at the park district years back, there was a day that I was coming in. It was like a day off day. They asked me if I'd come in and help them with some stuff. And I said, sure. And they said, since you are coming in, it is Halloween. The preschoolers are going to be trick-or-treating through the park (laughs) district. So some of us are dressing up. You do not have to, but if you'd like to, we're encouraging it. So I was like, meh. So I threw in the Indiana Jones costume, showed up, and I remember that the director of the park district kind of stepped out of his office for a minute and saw me standing in the hall, and he paused, and he goes, you just have that lying around? <laughs> I'm like, maybe. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> um, Does it everybody? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But anyway, so th- what I this is what I thought was interesting is the screen used 
Indiana Jones Temple of Doom hat just went up for auction. So, I thought they I thought they used that for every movie. Well, the they might have they probably have multiple hats. If you think about sure. cuz like if you think about it this way, when you look at um is it there's one of them that he's doused in water and the hat is oh it's it's Temple of Doom mm-hmm. when they're on the the raft and he's like coming out of the water the hat is just wrecked in terms of how soaked it is right, right? so they probably have multiple hats that were used well I, I mean in I'm, I'm sure shots. you're right yeah I mean but like there's one hero hat like right. it's like there's one hero car right. for Transformers and then there's the destruction car right and, so like there's one hero mm-hmm. hat that they use for every movie. Right, so this is probably the one hero hat then, if that's the case, because... Well, they're doing five, aren't they? Right, so I don't know. And that's the thing, is when you see, like... Now, whether you liked Crystal Skull or not, that's not where I'm going with this. It's it's irrelevant. But at the end of the movie, he's got a newer-looking fedora. Oh, that's right, and he gave the other one to Shia. No, Shia picked it up and was about to put it on, and he grabbed it, like, I don't think so. Like, and he put his hat on. Like, that was that moment, like, I don't think so, and he put... But it's a newer-looking hat. Mm -hmm. So, of course, he's going to go on his adventure. The hat's going to get wrecked. He's going to buy a new one. Um... And Indiana Jones is the reason, like, why I beat the crap out of all the hats I have. Like, ev- like every hat I buy, I always end up beating the crap out of them. And right. someone, every now and then it comes up in conversation, I'm like, well, this, it shows adventure. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, mine's, mine's worn out already. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it doesn't even look blue anymore. No, but, it's gray. Um, but, uh, at any rate, uh, the Indiana Jones Temple of Doom hat auctioned off for $300,000. It's reasonable. It's reasonable, and I'm not sure if I—I uh, I don't know what I would have expected, but I was like, "Oh, yeah, okay." I mean, for a single, you know, wool felt hat, <clears throat> seems yeah, exorbitant. But when you think of the provenance, it seems reasonable. Yeah, well, that hat probably was easily a couple hundred by itself, just because of like fedoras in general right. are expensive. But um, the uh, if you could own a prop from Indiana Jones. What would it be? It could be a costume prop. I was just like, yeah, you know, um, you have four movies to look at. We don't know what the fifth one entails yet, so we don't know what those props are. But if you could own a prop from the Indiana Jones films. I know you're deep in thought. I know I wrecked well, that. Um, let's see. For me, for me, while you're thinking, I would definitely want a fertility idol. Because... Why not? Solid gold fertility. Why not? not? Even if it was like a screen used prop that's not right. full solid gold, even if it was, you know, I'd love one of the fertility idols or I'd want the Grail Diary. Ooh, the, the, the Grail Diary. That would those that. would those would be my two that I would be like I really want, you know, I would love to have them. You know what? I don't want the Grail Diary. I want the book that he sets down in the library in front of the two FBI agents. That oh, has the, that Bible, that the, the big the, one with the metal clasp. The metal. Like, I want that book. <laughs> like that book is amazing <laughs> because apparently it's got the entire story of where the uh, Ark of the Covenant is. <laughs> yeah, that 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 was a really really cool Bible. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, no, that's a good pull on that one. But either yeah, that, I just either that or Reggie, either that or Reggie the snake, yeah. Jock's, Jock's pet snake, Reggie. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, moving on. Um, so we got some Green Lantern television series uh, news that animated. 
No, it's live action. <laughs> animated. <laughs> I know. CG and animated. Uh, no, because the uh, so the Green Lantern television series moves along very at a very slow pace. It's going to be HBO Max exclusive. Um, it's going to be the Green Lantern Corps. If you did, if you didn't know that, so it won't just cover Hal Jordan. It's going to cover sure. like five of them. Okay. Um, but the villain is us- is primarily Sinestro. Um, I don't know where they're picking up. If this has anything to do with the original Green Lantern movie, it, at the the bonus scene at the end of that movie, Sinestro became the Yellow Lantern. Did you see it? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 It's Sin- been it's been a while. But Sinestro yeah. became the Yellow Lantern. So if we pick up at all post that movie, the Yellow Lanterns are already in place. Sure. Um, ho- I'm hoping the other colors are there too, like the Red Lanterns and Blue Lanterns and stuff like that. Could make that series absolutely amazing. But it looks like the actor Tobias. Mc- Menzies, um, I think that's how you pronounce that guy's name. I'm gonna show you real quick. Yeah, yeah, that Tobias looks Menzies. about right. Yeah, he's been cast as uh, rumor has it anyway that he's been cast as uh, Sinestro. Okay. Um, I'm down. I when I saw his picture, I was like, yeah, all right, I'm in. Sounds yeah. good to me. Under um, three gallons of makeup and everything it's, else. It's hard to argue casting stuff lately because um, with casting rumors. I always think to myself, people freak out. Yeah. You know what I mean? When you think about how the, the Batfleck drama, and then when we saw the movie, saw the trailer, all the talk went flat pretty quick. Right. I mean, I, <clears throat> since... Um, since Heath Ledger's Joker. Yeah. I don't I don't question casting. Right, like, I know. There, There's a part of me that goes, really? And then I go... Let's let let's see how it plays out. Let's just right. they know what they're doing. Let's let them do it. Not only do, not only do they know what they're doing is every time we like want to argue, they show us why we're wrong. Right. And right. it's like, well, okay, we're we're wrong. That's just how it is. <laughs> um, Affleck does make a good Batman. Right. Son you know what I mean? And you're just like Joaquin Phoenix does make a good joke. Right. You know? Did you ever see that one? I never watched that one. No. Okay. I, I need to get to <clears throat> watching it. I just it's sure. Yeah. Sure. Um, well. Um, Casting. This is a this is a world. This is a direction I did not expect to go. This is we're talking about casting, and you know what? The Marvels never shocked me in terms of casting. Like all of it, I'm just like, yep, I'm down. Whatever you guys mm-hmm. want to do, you know what I mean? No one argues. So to stop arguing with the casting department. Is all I'm gonna say. So in the world of um, inclusiveness and uh, making sure everything's racially diverse properly and all that stuff. Absolutely. Um, I was expecting for the Batgirl film um that they were going to go black or asian cuz one of the black one of the black girls is asian mm-hmm. like i didn't know what they were going to do um i wasn't expecting the white girl with the red hair like from the comics that was sure. that's not right, what yeah. i was expecting at all but it, but rumor has it that's the direction they're going to go mm-hmm. and rumor has it now we all know how internet rumors work when it makes to an internet rumor with a casting decision, it very quickly turns into this person's in talks, which means the contract's already been signed. So right. there's a chance, there's a really good chance, I'm going to go out on a limb and say we're at like an 80% chance this is legit, uh, just because of how the internet works. <laughs> and I only say that because the internet will say, rumor has it, and then two weeks later, boom, yeah. here it is. Yeah. You know. So that being said, um, Rumor, rumors around Warner Brothers, they want Emma Stone to play Batgirl in the Batgirl film. With Batfleck and J.K. Simmons returning to replies their said roles. Okay. Now, per the Snyder Cut, rumor has it that Affleck 
renegotiated a completely different contract. So he could be that Nick Fury cameo role at this point. Sure. I don't know in the push to reclaim the Snyderverse. Now, I don't have a problem with Emma Stone as Batgirl. I think that's awesome. I do think I was expecting a little bit younger. No offense to Emma Stone. But just because we're dealing with James Gordon, Jim Gordon's daughter, and I didn't really know where we were going with that. Okay. But, All right. I can um, see where you're going with that. But, but if you just take Emma Stone and white girl with red hair, like, you know what I mean? Like, sure. here we go. Like, absolutely. Why yeah. not? And I'm totally down for it. I like Emma Stone a lot. I, well, I like, I mean, I loved her in Zombieland. Like, that was one of my favorite <clears throat> movies. Like, of all time? Yeah. Okay. I love Zombieland. <laughs> There's nothing wrong with that movie at all. If you want to shut your brain off and just have a good time, go watch Zombieland. Right, right, right. Um, yeah, so uh, Emma Stone as Batgirl, I'm totally down for this. I'm a big Batgirl fan, and a part of me is like, don't mess it up. Just give me exactly what I've, right. I've been and looking at on cartoons I'm not and a comic huge books. Huge comic and, reader. Like, my initiation with Batgirl was Alicia Silverstone, and I'm just like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's, so, that's I have no expectations at this point. And that's fair. Well, the Supergirl announcement for uh, the Flash film, um, when they announced who was playing Supergirl, I was like, oh, that's an interesting take, because they're not mm-hmm. going with what we right. normally know. Yeah. And then some set photos released, and it's short hair. Mm-hmm. And I was like, ooh, I don't know how I feel about this. Then again... You're dealing with the Flash film, which is going to touch on the multiverse and the different dimensional, right? You know, the different realities. The Supergirl that they're like, the, if you like look at the set photos and then compare it to comic art, it's coming from a Supergirl from a specific reality. Okay. So we might not be dealing with Earth One Supergirl that I was expecting. We might be. So I'm like, oh, done. Shut up, like yeah. Drew. Just let yeah. let let it happen. Like you've given me my plot device to let me dispel it right, disbelief. Right, 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 right. I did a little digging, and I'll shut up and not criticize. You know what I mean? So yeah. Um. So yeah, but I'm down for the Emma Stone thing. Um. In terms of other casting, Tarantino uh, was talking about Kill Bill Volume Three, and I don't know if that was a roll of the eyes or not. Well, um, I like. I don't know what else... To, like, sure, it's Tarantino, and he can do whatever he wants. It's his IP, and... Right, 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 right. Do whatever you want, but... I don't think it needs it. Like... Right. Well... It ends, Bill is dead, the story right. wraps up, and those two movies, which are technically one it's movie... It's one movie. Yeah. Let's, let's be honest. It's yeah, one film. It's one film. Are perfect. They right. are f- phenomenal. Right. Well, sure... A little while after Kill Bill was done and out of theaters, Tarantino was in an interview talking about how if he were to do another one of those films, like a volume three, there's two characters he would focus on being one, uh, Beatrix, um, Uma Thurman's daughter. Right. Um, and then would be grown Mama's up. Mama's daughter. And then... Um, or whatever her name was. Yeah, uh, Vivica A. Fox's daughter, daughter grown up. Right. Um, so if we're going to go that route, he would ha- and he even said he would wait until those actresses are old enough to do the movie in real time, right. which I thought was kind of cool to do that anyway. So, look, I, Kill Bill's my favorite of the Tarantino films, so I'm down. Um, <laughs> as long as he's handling it, I'm down. Come on, you, don't yeah. like, you don't like From Dusk Till Dawn? Well, I love From Dusk Till Dawn, <laughs> but From Dusk Till Dawn is a Robert Rodriguez film. I know. I know. I'm kidding. <laughs> um, but at any rate... Just in it. So um, uh, I think uh, he wants to uh, Maya Hawk is the girl who played her, uh, Uma Thurman's daughter and he just thinks it would be absolutely amazing to cast her so he just had a statement recently about it um, so 
I don't know if Kill Bill Volume 3 is going to happen. He was not, like, confirming that. It was sure. basically like, I want to do it with her if I can. And I mean, because um, I, I remember when he wrapped all that up, he was like, you know, I've, I've told this story from this universe, and I'm yeah, yeah, yeah. done. Like, <clears throat> And that was it for, because there's, like, the core four or five films of that universe, like Reservoir Dogs, um... Pulp Fiction, Pulp Jackie Fiction. Brown, yeah. and, um... Yeah, I just totally blanked. I, yeah, I, I did too. Um, but yeah, so those group those groupings of films were like his right. fourth one. And he made a comment a long time ago that he's going to make ten movies and then retire. Right. That was going to be his thing. I'm going to make ten films and I'm going to be done. And he's up to nine. So, there you go. So, if Kill Bill Volume 3 is his last film, okay. If not, then, you know, <laughs> uh, let's... I, I just think he should keep making movies. Even if he's even if he's just writing them, I think... He, you know what I mean? Right. Like, if he gets someone who, like, just... It's that thing where you find that protege, like George Lucas finding Dave Filoni. Right. You know what I mean? And he's like, look, I'm going to write you a script, but you got to do it verbatim. You know what I mean? <laughs> We're going to have conversations, and you're going to do it verbatim. Right. You know. I will entertain so. ideas and then promptly shoot them down. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but speaking of entertaining ideas and shooting them down, um, this is a weird segue. Last week we talked about uh, Smallville animated series. Yeah. And then we made that comment about Allison Mack getting you know, right. in her sex cult. Um, actress Allison Mack has been sentenced to three years in prison for involvement with said sex cult. <laughs> that story uh. popped like moments after you and I stopped recording last week. <laughs> so I thought it was kind of funny. I'm like, well, let's like circle the wagons on that real I quickly. I mean, for as many lives as that sex cult is supposedly <clears throat> destroyed, three years is a slap on the wrist. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, well, anyway, let's talk about something fun, and then we'll uh, jump into the list for the night. So the last news story I got, and this I caught a little while ago today, because I was just, you know, I searched for news, like, throughout the week, kind right. of thing. And I store it all on my phone so I can, like, quickly, like, reference stuff. But um, Zack Snyder's next project will be called, titled Rebel Moon. It's an epic fantasy that he will co-write, direct, and produce for Netflix. The film is inspired by Kurosawa and Star Wars, with hopes it'll be a massive IP and a universe that can build out. Okay. I, okay, I mean, <clears throat> I get it. I mean, yes, the, the story is there. But, I mean, if you're going to do something in the vein of, you know, Hidden Fortress and Star Wars, I mean, you're... There's, you're, you're, I mean, there's, there's Star Wars, right? <laughs> and there's the Hidden Fortress. And, right. I mean, you know, they're um, just you're just going to kind of retread the same ground again. And you got to remember, though, there's only twelve stories. That this I'm, is true. <laughs> I'm, when people are like, "Wow, you ripped that! You ripped that!" I mean, you know, and, and there's like, really only three overarching stories. You know, right. man versus man, van versus nature, man versus situation. You know, right? So anyway, I looked into this a little bit more. Um, the story is set in a uh, set in motion when a peaceful colony on the edge of the galaxy is threatened by the armies of a tyrannical reagent named Belisarius. Uh, desperate people dispatch a young woman with a mysterious past to seek out warriors from neighboring planets to help them make a, make a stand. Okay. That's the only thing that really is there. there um, and he's, and Zack Snyder says, this, this is me growing up as a Kurosawa fan and a Star Wars fan. Um, it's my love of sci-fi and a giant adventure. My hope is it becomes something massive and I can make more. Okay. So, and I mean, if it's cool and it's 
you know doesn't feel like a rehash or you know then I'm all for it. Well, here's this is where this is where I'm going to say I'm all for it regardless is because we live in a world of reboots, remakes, rehashes, re everything um, where people are like there was a point in history in film history where I would go to the movie theater and you'd watch like four or five trailers and you'd go, wow, that was cool, that was cool, that doesn't look that great, I'm definitely seeing this, you know, that kind of right. stuff. And they were all original, all unique, not sequels to stuff. Right. And now you watch four or five trailers in front of the movies and they're all remakes, reboots, or sequels. Yeah. You know not, what I mean? You're not it's wrong. it's I mean, literally all of it. And when you talk about fan service, the term fan service, which I've talked on the show before that I hate that term because technically they talk about how it's a negative thing. Like, oh, that movie was just a whole bunch of fan service. Here's the thing. Anything beyond the first <laughs> is fan service. <laughs> if you have a sequel, it's because you have fans that wanted more and the right. studios recognized that. Right. <laughs> so they're giving you more of what you want. Um <laughs> so we need another word for what you guys are calling fan service oh. because I, you know what I mean. It's called fan whoring. Yeah, basically. But when I think about it, it's like there's and I was watching. Um, what was I watching? It was literally on TV. I was like, it was just happened to be on. I threw it on for background noise, and I found myself just sucked in. I'm like, man, movies have drastically changed since then. I'm drawing a blank on what it was. It was literally like I had like 20 minutes to kill, and it was just mm. on. But it was one of those things where, like, movies were different. Yeah. You know, and now there's so many reboots and remakes and everything, and it's just like, well, of course, like, we, the, the next Space Jam is coming out. You know, technically it's a reboot. Right. But it's also a sequel at the same time. Like, people are just remaking stuff, but now they're remaking television shows. And now, you know what right. I mean? Like, like, people have run out of ideas for original content. Right. So, where, yes, it does have a Star Wars inspiration to the Zack Snyder thing, He's trying to tell some original story and say, yeah. hey, I was influenced by this, and I'm being very clear that I was influenced by this. It's, I feel like that's a don't be surprised kind right. of thing. Right. However, <laughs> I'm trying to do something different. Right. And that's where I'm like, bring it on. Because whether, and I look back at the Tomorrow War, okay? Yeah. Yeah, there was some stuff in there that made me like cringe a little bit. And like I said, it's a 7 out of 10. It's not a perfect film. But it was something new and something I'd never seen before and you know sure. like yeah. so um yeah I you know I, I'm gonna watch it why the heck, why am I pretending like I'm you know butthurt by this <laughs> I'm gonna watch it so yeah 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 yeah, yeah. that's what it is yeah alright well hey do you wanna talk the list tonight I guess we could do that sweet alright I mean, that's kind of the whole purpose right that's the whole purpose that's the only reason why we're here that's the only reason people tune in they don't want to hear us talk about the news they can get it on their own right you would hope you would hope but you know what's interesting is some people are like people will tell me things about movies and I'm like you're not listening to my show are you <laughs> <laughs> we talked about that weeks ago <laughs> sorry I haven't mowed the much lawn yet yeah, 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 right. Um, anyway, uh, let's talk the list. So, Ryan, do me a favor and roll the thing. And now for the top five. All right, Adam. Da. So, uh, last week, 
Sorry, it's my reading materials. The, the ruffling is paper as Adam brought a packet tonight to discuss. <laughs> um, so last week, we didn't know what list we were doing. This was all up in the air. These Last week and this week were kind of surprises to not just you as an audience, but to me as well. And it will be a surprise to Peter when he finally gets to sit down and listen to the show himself. Um, this week, uh, Adam and I, this is something that Adam and I talked about a long time ago, that we should do a list like this and have a conversation I really, this is going to be tough to do because it's an audio podcast, and I would love to just play music and have it just on. The problem with that is I worry about copyright stuff. So we're just going to have to do our best to talk about it, and everyone's going to have to maybe just deal with it and check it out because we're going to talk some music tonight. Specifically, we're going to be talking about our top five favorite film composers. Um, when I originally uh, was putting together my list, I was like, I had a television composer on there. I was like, oh shoot, pull that off, because yeah. my brain was like composer realm, and uh, that composer was uh, Rami Djawadi, uh, who does Game of Thrones. Oh, okay. Um, but um, but I was like, ooh, no, we're talking film. Yeah, and so, I wanted to put Bear McCreary on here, but I'm like, oh wait, nope, nope, yeah. nope. That's Walking he, Dead, and he's really and, good too. Uh, Battlestar Galactica, so and the upcoming He-Man show. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> By the way, quick tangent. Did you see the trailer? No, I haven't yet to watch. There's it. There's two trailers. Oh my god. And uh, I know what we're doing before you yeah. get out of here after this show. I'm gonna so, go take a ride on Battlecat. I'll see you yeah, guys later. The, the first, tra- the teaser. If it doesn't get you pumped, I think you're dead inside. <laughs> and then they. Really least the story trailer which holy holy crap awesome (laughs) um but yeah i can't wait for that anyway um so bear mccreary out of the that's that's the only reason that tangent happened um but all right so i have two honorable mentions i have Um, i have two honorable mentions and an honorable honorable mention oh interesting all right so before we go nuts with the list tonight um i this is something I've been in the back of my head kind of piecing together for a very long time. So I kind of had this really figured out before it was, oh, we got to do that list tonight. Right. Do you know what I mean? Um, and over the time, I've it's, it's not a hard one. I listen to a ton of instrumental music. Mm-hmm. Like I'll be driving in the car and I'll throw on a composer, that kind of thing. Right. Like it's just that's, that's kind of like my thing lately. And I, I listen to a ton of it. Um, you can think I'm weird, but I know there's a lot of people out there like me that listen to that stuff. So, um, did you have trouble putting yours together? Um, only from the aspect I had trouble whittling it down. Oh, okay. Like I had 15 guys, composers, and I'm like, yeah, but yeah, but yeah, but yeah, but yeah, and then no, and yes, and then I got to my, like I had a top three to start. <laughs> sure. And I'm like, yeah, this guy, this guy, this guy, no doubt. And then, you know, it's what the other right, four right, right, that right, I wanted right. to get in, so. Right, right, right. Um, well, um, I expect us to match a ton, so we yeah, could be going... I would say probably... We're going to be matching a bunch, I think. Probably. Um, I feel few. like there's a there's a top-tier film composers that get named quite a bit, and you've heard yep. me talk about this a little bit on the show, too, but um, for the sake of argument, um, who is your uh, honorable, honorable, honorable mention? Yeah. I just wanted to mention this guy. It's uh, Brian Trousseau. Um, he goes by BT. He's actually um, a DJ uh, and composer in that right. But he did the original Fast and Furious soundtrack, um, which is an amazing score. Uh, and just for what it is, it's one of those things that... Music in movies isn't supposed to be noticeable, 
<clears throat> it's just supposed to set the mood and you know the ambiance in the background. And this is one of those scores where it does it so well that it's so organically wound into the movie that it just it feels absolutely perfect for every scene it's in, like that techno-y vibe that goes with that film and like it was just a great movie and I just wanted to give him a shout out for that. But now, just to clarify again, um there's a difference between a score versus a soundtrack. Correct. Um, the soundtrack is actually composed into multiple parts, but the musical part of the soundtrack is either a score, which is all instrumental, handled by a composer with an orchestra and so on, and then you have, um, or in the case of Hans Zimmer and Junkie XL, they do a lot of it on a computer and they don't use right. orchestras. Um, and then you have uh, your soundtrack like Guardians of the Galaxy, which is... Yes, you have the Tyler Bates score, right? But then you have the Awesome Mix Volume One, which right. becomes the soundtrack that everyone knows. knows However, yeah. that Tyler Bates score for Guardians of the Galaxy is amazing. amazing. Yeah, it's very good too. Um, so, um, but yeah, all right, uh, Brian. So, did he do just the first one? He just did the first one. Um, his other film credits are uh, the 2005 movie Stealth about the yeah, yeah. AI plane that you know went all. Not the not the best movie, but I enjoyed yeah, it. Yeah. Um, 2003's Monster, um, that's, well, that one, like, an Academy Award, I'm pretty sure. Monster? Oh, that's with the one with, uh, that's Charlie Stanton, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I don't know if the score did, but No, no. but the movie, I won. The movie, mo- one, movie won a few. Something, and yep. then, uh, 2001's Sylvester Stallone, Turd Driven. Oh. <laughs> the, uh, F1 IndyCar movie, that was yeah, yeah, not yeah. great. Um, those are his biggest, uh, um, credits. Okay. Um, well, since that's an honorable honorable mention, and I don't have one of those, sure. No, I, want, I'm just stealing time. Do you, you want? <laughs> do you want me to go first? Do you want to go first? Uh, you know what? Um, Who talks first? You talk first. I, I talk. You know, how's this work? Um, yeah, I'll, <laughs> I'll go first. Um, All right. My next honor. Well, my actual first honorable mention is uh, Ennio Morricone. He was an Italian composer, um, and he did. M- Almost all of the music for Clint Eastwood's Spaghetti Westerns, so um, A Fistful of Dollars, A Few Dollars More. That famous whistle. Yes, yes. exactly. <laughs> um, the song from the Modelo commercials. Um, a lot of memorable, noticeable stuff, but if you just don't know where it's from, you're never going to find it. Um, but more people know that that whistle from, from, you know... The good, the bad, and the ugly. The good, that's bad, what and it's, ugly. it's that's, from. And then that's and for, everyone claim. knows that, but they don't have a name to go right. with Right, they that. don't like, know what the name of the song together. is. Yeah. Um, so, um, but he's done multiple, multiple films in that vein. Um, he There was a symphony, I want to say, out of Norway, out of Scandinavia somewhere, um, where they did, like, his biggest... Um, instrumental pieces from those movies and it's on youtube and it's the complete uh the complete show and it's fantastic it's absolutely fantastic um the uh most recently influence of the good and bad and the ugly uh sound uh you'll hear in the mandalorian right exactly um, ludwig ludwig gordonson if i'm pronouncing his name correctly um he clearly did does an homage to that he clearly Absolutely. knew like that's exactly what you know and when it, when explained the show to him he's like well i i got to go back and i got to do yeah. some kind of an it's, it's got to be this. it's got to be a space western so it's got to have some sort of western yeah 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 so we um, got to talk to this guy yeah basically <laughs> yeah um 
Was that it on him? That's really it on him, yeah. Okay. Because I really, in terms of his music, I really know it from... From. Yeah, that's, uh, I think that's all you're going to know it from, because that's yeah. what he was mainly famous for, being the Italian composer and all of those movies filmed in Italy. Sure. On a small budget, they're just like, hey, you're here, you do it. <laughs> <laughs> Which is how a lot of those guys got work back yeah. then. Like, you're yeah. here, you know how to do this, do it, and that was kind of the end of the discussion, where Hollywood, I feel, is very hard to break into these days. Right. Exactly. Um, well, my first honorable mention is Danny Elfman. Wow, okay. And um, and I know you're probably like, wow, that should be higher on the list for it, me. It definitely is higher on the list for me. <laughs> but it's, well, it's in the list. Well, for me, and we can get it, you can get to it there when we uh, when we get to your part of the list. But for me, um, Elfman should be higher on the list, but I feel like I feel like lately Elfman has become kind of come a little like too much of a household name. Sure. Do you know where eventually, you know how like Johnny Depp was in every movie and eventually Johnny Depp's name becomes like, oh, it's Johnny, Johnny Depp, Depp again. again. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, that's kind of how I feel Elfman's gone in a way. Well, and I mean, the, and we can talk about this a little more, but the... And that's why he, that's the only reason he doesn't right. make and it high. The issue <clears throat> is, is because Tim Burton likes people. And when Tim Burton likes people, right. he tends to overuse them. Right. So Johnny Depp, Danny, Danny Elfman. Elfman. <laughs> <laughs> um, so we have, we'll we'll continue that conversation but, a little bit later. But Danny Elfman is responsible for the version of the Batman theme that everyone knows yep. the best, which is the um, best Batman, which is theme. the best Batman theme, which is the Batman theme everybody knows. And you like, yeah, we all know the Adam West Batman theme, but this is the one. <laughs> but this is the one that really like sticks home and it yes. screams Batman, and it's the best one, and it's the one that like I'm sorry, I listen to the I listen to in the car all the time and play it's, when it's, it's dark like, and I'm. In one of those it's movies, on my phone right now. You know now. what I mean? Like, it's on um, my phone right now. There's several pieces of Danny Elfman's music, and like, and I loved his. I loved the Mission Impossible score he did. Mm-hmm. I loved the Planet of the Apes score he did. Like, I love the Big Fish score. Like, there's so much Danny Elfman music that I love to death. But he's become his as a and then like I do feel he phoned in this Justice League score. Okay. From the Whedon cut, but sure. I feel like multiple things got phoned in with the Whedon cut. Yeah. <laughs> so well, there was a time um, crunch and everything was, else. Exactly. So. And you know, they and I don't know why and they had a score. I don't know why they chose to not use the score. Like, you know, it's just it yeah. didn't make sense to me. So uh, but whatever, they brought him in and Elfman's like we're going to do the and he did all these homages, but that's why I think it felt phoned right. in when, you know. Um, overall, I really like Danny Elfman. I just, it's because of that weird feeling that he doesn't make it higher. On the sure. Because at a time, he was my favorite film composer. There you go. So, anyway. Um, next on, your... Second honorable mention yeah. is a gentleman by the name of James Horner. Uh, oh. He passed away in 2015. Um, but some of his big ones are uh, Avatar, uh, Perfect Storm, Titanic. Titanic. <laughs> Jumanji. Uh, Apollo oh, I didn't 13. Real, I, didn't, I don't think I realized he did Jumanji. But. Braveheart. Legend of the Fall. Um, he did the movie for all three of the um, Harrison Ford, Alec Baldwin, Tom Clancy movies. The Jack Ryan movies. Yeah, so Clear and Present Danger, uh, Patriot Games, um, and then uh, Hunt for Red October. Um, but my number one movie and the reason I picked this guy is because this is one of my favorite movies of all time, The Rocketeer. He did the score for The Rocketeer. 
And that yes, score is fantastic. The, that Rocketeer score, and that is one that is incredibly, incredibly difficult to find. Yes. Like, and I, that's yeah. a, that's a score that I just want to be able to have. Like, I also fell in love with Jennifer, uh, Jennifer Connelly. That movie. She was amazing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's the movie where we all fell in love with Jennifer. Yep. Connelly. Let's be honest. Yep. Um, but no, that that Rocketeer score is. So good, and yeah. um, I can tell you right now, if you want a taste of the Rocketeer score, it's difficult to find. It really is, and I've searched a lot of like, like, you can't buy CDs really anymore. Right. But um, I've looked um, like Amazon Music and iTunes and stuff. It's just difficult to find. Yeah, no, it, it's it um, wasn't a terribly popular score at the time, um, but you go back and you watch that movie, and it's just got that that soaring '30s Art Deco feel to it. It's just. It's, it's such ve- a. It's, it's a very like. It's also a triumphant feel. Too, right, and well. a, but it's a radio serial feel. Like it's got that shadow type. Just oh, I just I really enjoy that movie. Yes. I really enjoy um, that score. And everyone, the Rocketeer is on Disney Plus. Yes, it is. Like I own the Blu-ray copy because they did a big Blu-ray release a couple of years back, and I was like, oh, I have to have this. And then it was long before any Disney Plus announcements. Right. But I'm like, right. I have to have this movie on Blu-ray and. But now it's on Disney Plus, so everyone should go check that out. But, but I mean, just a couple other ones to go through his extremely long list of movies that he's done: uh, Glory, Honey, I Shrunk the Kids, Field of Dreams, Willow, Batteries Not Included, Five Little America. Willow score is phenomenal. It's like, awesome I too. love that Willow. Uh, that that um, Willow theme, I love. Yeah, it. that's also on Disney Plus. <laughs> They paying you? <laughs> they, they do not pay me. They should. They don't. <laughs> the amount that I've blown up Disney Plus and HBO Max on this program, I should be getting paid. Uh, 1986's Aliens. Um, That's the second one, right? He right. didn't do the first? No, he did not do the first. Okay. Commando with Arnold Schwarzenegger. Uh, Cocoon. Star Trek Three: The Search for Spock. Star Trek Two: The Wrath of Khan. <clears throat> I mean, the, the list goes on and on. The guy does, did so much stuff. So quick side note on Cocoon um, in the world of people getting older and denying yes. the age they are yes. and stuff the new thing in Hollywood is the Wilford Brimley curve yes um, <laughs> <laughs> and if you want to know what that is and you're going to have to google this and look it up but you got to know when you look up Cocoon or you look up Wilford Brimley in Cocoon he was 48 when he made that movie <laughs> <laughs> so now the thing as a is, retired octogenarian. So now the thing is, who is over the Wilford Brimley curve? <laughs> That's it's <the> so new. <laughs> ridiculous. It is ridiculous. <laughs> um, Forty-eight. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. And then when you look at him, you're like, "Yee." <laughs> yeah. Some of us didn't age so well. Um, all right. So what was it? James Horner is your second honorable mention. Yes. My second honorable mention is another one that's becoming a kind of overused, if you will. Mm-hmm. But. Um, He's got some iconic scores under his belt, and that's Hans Zimmer. Yeah. Now, he's only being overused because it's like Christopher Nolan uses him for everything. Yeah, and like I made this list probably within your first ten shows. Okay. Like you're like, hey, I'll have you on sometime. We can talk about something. And I'm like, yeah, I got a list. 150 up. episodes later. later we're yeah, we're finally hitting this. So I'm missing <laughs> movies from sure, sure. anything after 2019. <clears throat> So, sure. yeah, my list may have changed if I had revamped it, but I was just like, ah, it's good to go. Let's just do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, with 45 minutes notice, like, yeah, I found it. Let's do this. <laughs> <laughs> you, look, you can revamp a little bit. It's too um, Well, the Hans Zimmer, yes, he's known for, like, you know, the Dark Knight. Mm-hmm. And then the Batman Begins, Dark Knight Rises, you know, that trilogy. But he's also known for, you know, you throw in your Christopher Nolan. He did Inception, and he did, right. you know, um, Tenant, which I, I absolutely loved. But one of the soundtracks and that... 
I really love his work on that I think gets a, that doesn't get enough attention because the movie is not well received was Mission Impossible 2. Okay. But the soundtrack, the score, mm-hmm. is amazing. Um, and I actually, I was looking up something, this was a few years back, I was looking up something related to a Tom Cruise film, and I actually ended up going to Tom Cruise's website. Yeah. And he had a piece from the Mission Impossible 2 score playing in the background of the website as you launched the page, and I'm like... I love that song from that movie. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah. but it's just it's just the score. It's just the way Hans Zimmer attacked things. And um, mm-hmm. the uh, the specific piece I'm referring to um, from Mission Impossible Two that really catches my attention from that score is is titled Naya and Ethan. But um, it's just that's just one piece. I mean, yes, he's done all these other things, but that's one score that I really kind of sure. draw my attention to and say, you know what? Whether you like that movie or not, that score is astounding. So, and Hans Zimmer's on my list, um, but he's in the list, so sure. we can consult on that a little. No, later. we can't. We can't. Uh, what's your first actual pick for the night? My first actual pick is Danny Elfman. <laughs> All right. <laughs> so going back to that vein of you know, <laughs> yeah, um, you know, he just picks people he likes and he just <laughs> sticks with them. Well, look, I'm not saying Danny Elfman's a bad composer. No, I, he's not. I really like. Like, there was a point where I was like, oh, it's a Danny Elfman movie, and I would just buy the soundtrack. Right. You know what I mean, or by the score. But you start learning, um, you start really, like, when you start studying, when you start studying musical growth of uh, composers, mm-hmm. you start seeing intricacies. Right. And there's a composer I'm going to refer to later where we're going to talk about that, because you're going to see, like, how he built something, and then he had to do another movie, and then they build off of it, and right. then because this was so well received and awesome, he's doing this next movie, and he builds from his own. He inf- he's right. basically influencing himself yeah. as you move forward. I know absolutely, and um, I, we'll talk about that a little bit the, later too. Yeah, there's a specific there's a specific composer I'm going to refer to on that one, but yeah, um, and that's just because I've listened to so much of. But I mean, Danny Elfman's got a list here that's ignorantly long. I mean, for a guy who's pretty young and started his career as a pop artist. I mean, yeah, uh, I mean, Oingo Boingo. Oingo Boingo. And so if you know the songs, you know, Dead Man's Party or uh, Weird Science, those are his, that's where he started. But right after that, <clears throat> I mean, he got his start basically, yeah, 1988 is his first, like, big movie, and that was Beetlejuice. Sure. Another Tim Burton movie. <laughs> right. So, I mean, and Tim Burton liked him and picked him up, and then it's... Well, that Beetlejuice soundtrack is awesome. amazing. It's so good, uh, Danny too. Elfman is also known for the Simpsons theme. Did he write that, too? Yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> that's not credited on here. Yeah, he also did uh, Tales from the Crypt. Yep, that's on here. Um, he also did uh, uh, Dick Tracy, I believe. Yep, that's on here. Yeah. Um, so, no, he's got a... Danny Elfman's been around for a long time. He's one of the probably one of the biggest names in terms of composers. Yeah, I mean, just just some of the movies that I liked on here, uh, the original Men in Black. Yeah. Mars Attacks. Um, he did Pee Wee's Big Adventure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, that, I mentioned Mission Impossible One. Mission Impossible One, Mission Impossible Two. Oh, he did. No, Hans Zimmer did. Too. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, Mission Impossible, Mission. But the the ones that really was the first Spider Man movie, the first Tobey Maguire. Oh yeah, yeah, movie, yeah, yeah, yeah. That one was awesome. I loved that that score. Um, did he do Spider-Man 2? He did Spider-Man 2. Okay. But, yeah. Um, but, yeah, I mean, the re- you just look at this list and it's like, oh, yeah, yep, 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 Johnny Depp was in that, yep. You know what I mean? <laughs> right. <laughs> right, right, right. So, but he did do uh, Age of Ultron as well. So that was... Sure. 
And then, you know, you said you phoned it in on the Justice League. Well, I just... <laughs> Whedon phoned it in on the Justice League, yeah. so there's that. Um, all right. Uh, well, my first pick of the night is James Newton Howard. Okay. Uh, do you know his work at all? Uh, refresh me. All right. So he's known for a lot of working with M. Night Shyamalan. Now, I'm not a big fan of okay. M. Night Shyamalan, so yes, he did Unbreakable and Sixth Sense, sure. and he did Signs in the Village. Um, however, he also did all the Hunger Games movies. Mm-hmm. Okay, he did Ray of the Last Dragon. Mm -hmm. um, he did uh, Treasure Planet for Disney. He did uh, Peter Jackson's King Kong. He did Waterworld. Um, oh, he did. Uh, <laughs> um, he did The Born Legacy. Um, he worked on The Dark Knight, but he also did like The Fugitive, and he did um, I Am Legend. Um, Michael Clayton, Collateral, Red Sparrow. Um, Wyatt Earp, the Kevin Costner film. He mm -hmm. did he did Space Jam, the original. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, uh, but those are just those are just some. And he did uh, he also did Jungle Cruise, which is coming out. Okay. Uh, the new rock film, Jungle Cruise. By the way, that trailer looks fantastic. Fun. It looks a lot of like, fun. I'm sorry, I'm watching this movie. I'll, I'll kind of like scoffed at it a little bit. I'm totally watching this movie. Yeah. Um, but no, James Newton Howard. I kind of I was there was I don't remember which movie it was. Oh no, it was Hunger Games. That I was like, who did the score for this? I remember, like, mm -hmm. sitting down going, Hunger Games, I'm like, who did this? I'm like, oh, James Newton Howard, cool. And I looked him up, I was like, holy cow, you know what I mean? So, yeah. Um, but, yeah, no, uh, big uh, big list for him, so um, I just, yeah, wanted to point that out. That was mine. So what's your uh, next one for the night? My next one, I'm pretty sure we'll match on, is Alan Silvestri. Yes, we did. And I was All saving right. him, but we'll talk about it. Okay. Him. Well, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> um, but... I mean, obviously most notable probably for everyone in listening to this right now would be the Avengers score. Yeah, everyone yeah. everyone current the Avengers score. The Avengers score. Um, his career started in 72. 72, right. 72. So I've got three pages here of, when I, of credits. When I said that Adam brought a packet, he brought a packet. Yeah. <laughs> um, but one of my favorites in this his early career, Flight of the Navigator. Mm-hmm. Uh, Predator. Wow, I, I don't think I knew he did Predator. Who Framed Roger Rabbit. Yes, I knew that one. The Abyss. Yeah. Back to the Future Parts 1, 2, and 3. Yes, and that Back to the Future score. Now, real quick side note on Back to the Future. I remember one of a previous job, we were walk, we were all walking out of the break room after lunch, and I was like kind of just passing through the crowd, and I whistled the first two notes <laughs> from Back to the Future. Like, I was literally, like, it was just in my head, and I was yeah. getting into it. I whistled <coughs> I whistled those first two notes, and someone goes, are you whistling Back to the Future? <laughs> wow, are you a dork? Like, that's what they said, and yeah. I said, really? Two you, notes, and you, you called it. it. Yeah, two notes, and you knew it. <laughs> um, but, yeah, so go ahead. I love that, that Back to the Future yeah. score. Like, look, Avengers is one thing, but that Back to the Future score, holy cow. Um, one of my favorite Bruce Willis movies, Death Becomes Her. Yeah, I love, I love I love Death Becomes Her. Great movie. I've you haven't seen movie. it. I haven't watched that movie in a long it. time. Um, a guilty pleasure of mine: Sidekicks with Chuck Norris and Jonathan Brandis. <laughs> <laughs> love that movie too. I don't know why; it's always been a great movie. Sure. Um, but like Forrest Gump, Grumpier Old Men, Grumpy Old Men, uh, Stallone's Judge Dredd. Sure. Um, I um, will say that the movie wasn't the greatest. But he did the score for Van Helsing, mm -hmm. and that score is awesome. Yeah, yeah, I got um, that, you know, um, Castaway, The Mummy Returns, which, you know, whatever. Night at the Museums, the A-Team movie, 
And then you get into the Avengers, Captain America, um, Ready Player One, you know, just just some big hitters in there. I remember I remember when I found out about Ready Player One being, uh, like, because Ernie Klein was like, if I'm doing this movie, I have to have Alan Silvestri do my score. Well, absolutely. And, it, and I remember watching, like, some bonus feature from Ready Player One. I was like, I got to go get this score, you know, so. Um, but, yeah. Amazing. <laughs> yeah, Alan Silvestri, I can't say enough good about him. Like, no. But the, you, you all know that Avengers theme when every Marvel movie starts at this point. You yeah. hear it. Like, it's just, that's the thing. So, um, yeah, that one's going to be around for, that. that's a specific theme that people can call back to and it'll be around for a while. Um, all right, so my next one, um, I guess I got to tick that off the list then. Um so we, uh, I actually have to throw this back to you because we matched on it. All right. Um, so now we're going to the Hans Zimmer. Hans Zimmer. Okay. All right. So um, we matched, but in a yeah, different but, sense. So right. Yeah. You had him as honorable mention. I had him in my yeah, list. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Hans Zimmer. I mean, you know, we talked about. It. I've got four pages almost. Here. Okay. Yeah. So call it out, man. Um, let's start with the first. Eighty-four. He started writing scores. So, but the first one I have on here is 1990s Days of Thunder, Backdraft, Regarding Henry, A League of Their Own, Toys, Cool Running, Lion King, Broken Arrow, The Rock, 1996 oh, yeah. is The Rock. This was my introduction to Hans Zimmer. This was that score that I bought, and I was like, this is awesome. The Rock is, is awesome. Awesome. Um, Gladiator. Mission Impossible 2 was Hans Zimmer, as we've talked about. Hannibal, Pearl Harbor, really not a great score. Um, but 2001's Invincible, Black Hawk Down, Tears of the Sun, Last Samurai, Matchstick Men, Batman Begins, Da Vinci Code, Pirates of the Caribbean. He did most of the Pirates of the Caribbean. He's got writing credits, but they're also with another composer. Um, but it's definitely a very Hans Zimmer feeling movie. Um, all the Dan Brown series, so Angels and Demons, uh, Inception. The one thing that I will say about Hans Zimmer is that if you listen to a lot of his stuff often, you will start to realize that you don't know what movie you're listening to. Okay. Um, and I say that because a lot of his stuff is written as a waltz. Yeah. And Pirates, The Rock, and Gladiator all sound identical. Like if you put all five of those mashed or all, all those scores mashed up into a playlist and hit shuffle, you will have a hard <clears throat> time determining which song is which without the certain things that make those movies. Like, you know, in Gladiator you've got the vocals of the the soloist. Um, in Pirates of the Caribbean you've got that one's pretty much all a waltz. No, I'm going to point Pirates of the Caribbean out a little bit. Hans Zimmer only did the second two Pirates films. Right. He did not do, do. He did not do the original. Right. That was from, like, Klaus Blaudet, if I'm pronouncing that correctly. But Hans is also credited <clears throat> on that as helping him with it. Right. So, um, and then, you know, The Rock. Rock has a little bit more uh, rock, so there's more guitar in it. And right. that's the one that really differentiates it is when like they do like the pick slide or something on it. You'll see that, or hear that rather. Um, but that's my biggest complaint with Hans Zimmer is that if you listen to all of his stuff together, it tends to sound the same, with the exception of Interstellar. 
Like, Interstellar okay. was a complete departure from everything I was expecting the Hans Zimmer score to be. Okay. So, that's what I have to say about that. Sure. <laughs> um, that's all I've got to say about that. Right. Well, my next pick for the night um, is uh, Michael Gaiacchino. Okay. We did you, not match. Do you know who that is? Refresh my memory. I'm okay. sure I know who he is. So he comes. So Michael Giacchino comes from a long line of video games before he started doing movies. Okay. So you probably recognize his um, music from games like Medal of Honor and several of the Call of Duty films. Okay. Um, several films, video games. Um, however, uh, Michael Giacchino also did Mission Impossible 3. Okay. Okay. Um, he did... I'm looking at his thing here, so give me a sec. He did uh, Abrams' Star Trek. The first okay, a, yeah, yeah, Star Trek and uh, Star Trek to Darkness. He did the score. Those for, are both fantastic. Oh my god, those and, are fantastic. The, and the homage <clears throat> to the original score from from the TV show is yeah, 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 amazing. Yeah, yeah. Um, he did the score for Up. Um, he did the score for. Sorry, I'm scrolling through this right now. No yeah, he did. Um, he did Lost the entire of the show. Okay. Um, if you you know yeah we're not, yeah that's not a movie but. Um, he did Cars 2, he did Mission Impossible 4, Ghost Protocol, um, Star Trek Into Darkness, I already mentioned that mm -hmm. one, uh, Dawn of the Planet of the Apes, Okay. Uh, um, several of the Toy Story uh, shorts, he did Tomorrowland for Disney, uh, Tomorrowland was an awesome movie, um, but that score was great, he did Inside Out, he did Jurassic World, um, he did Zootopia, yes, he did do Star Trek Beyond, um, he did the music for Doctor Strange. Okay. He did Rogue One. Oh, that's a good Star story. Wars Rogue One. Yeah. Um, he did Spider-Man Homecoming. Yeah. Okay. Um, he did Coco, War for the Planet of the Apes, uh, Jurassic World 2. Um, He's been a busy guy the last five he years. He did Bad Times at the El Royale. <laughs> Bad Times at the El Royale was fantastic. He did Spider-Man Far From Home. He did Jojo Rabbit. Um... Jo Did you see Jojo Rabbit? No, it's, my, it's on my list of things dude, I want to watch. You have to see Jojo Rabbit, and I can't wait for that text. Like, dude, I just watched this <laughs> or the voicemail or whatever. You have to see Jojo Rabbit. Um, and then he's also got uh, the next Jurassic World Dominion when it finally comes out. Sure. And he's doing the Batman. Okay. So, um, but Michael Giacchino, he's just become this. He's bec he's starting to become that like. John Williams-esque name, if mm -hmm. you will, um, in terms of not just his filmography, but like the caliber of movies. The caliber of movies he's yeah. doing, and if you and if you know his work, it kind of you start to hear it. Um, there's a really cool. Um, there's a uh, Rebel Force Radio, the podcast, mm -hmm. did a series called Star Wars Oxygen, and they broke down. They were basically doing a series on each film and the score for each film and breaking down John Williams' music. Okay. When they got to Rogue One, they did a whole episode on Rogue One. And they brought in, and each episode they have a guy who works for Lucasfilm that understands how music functions. And they, they did this huge, it's probably one of the coolest, um, it, it literally I was riveted every time. And they were telling me stuff about the music and I was like, wait, what? And I'm now hearing it. I can't see the movie, I can't watch yeah. the movie without hearing it properly. But when they did the breakdown of the Michael Giacchino score... Gaiachino actually reached out and said, "Wow, you guys did your research." <laughs> He's like, "You got, you guys, you Quit guys followed me, guys. You guys really paid attention to my score because he he yeah. hinted at things mm -hmm. that 
he put in there specifically because he knew where it was going. So right. like there were like sound effects that were there were musical pieces that were added specifically for the Millennium Falcon's hyper jump and stuff mm-hmm. like that that he put in there and he put like he kind of looked back at the other movies and went oh wow you know what I'm gonna do a quick homage to that right here because it would fit real you know what right. I mean like he did his research but then everyone else but then they you know. did their research on his, right. his research yeah, yeah yeah so anyway. But Michael Giacchino, so awesome. I know you know the music now. Yeah, but, no, absolutely. Um, just never really put a name to it. Sure. All right. Uh, what do you got? Um, Jerry Goldsmith. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Love this guy. Um, this man has seven, eight pages of credits going back to the mid-50s <laughs> for TV. Okay. Um... Yeah, just insanity. The amount of work, the body of work this guy has done. Uh, since you and I are both Star Trek Stargate fans, mm-hmm. um, he's he's an, he's a household name for us yep. because of his work on Stargate. But but um, we'll just start hitting some stuff here in the the my generation time. So the original '68 Planet of the Apes. Okay. Um, '70s Tora 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 the. Uh, Pearl Harbor movie. Um, let's see. whole bunch of stuff here. Logan's Run. Alien. He did the original Alien. Uh, Star Trek The Motion Picture. First Blood. Gremlins. First Blood Part 2. The Explorers. Uh, 1986's Hoosiers. Rambo 3. The Burbs. Star Trek 5. Total Recall. Uh, Forever Young, which is a movie that not very many people enjoy, but I do just because of the the B twenty five airplane aspect sure, sure. of it. Um, In terms of uh, airplane stuff, did you ever see the movie Always? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, but the number one movie that I named this list or this the reason I picked him apparently my brain just decided it wasn't yep, going to yep, function yep. anymore uh, was 1993's Rudy. Um, oh wow! Okay. And for one particular scene and song, and it's the tryout, and everybody knows this song because they use it in every inspirational thing that's ever been made, or the I'm's dog commercial where the puppy's running through the field growing up. Like I mean, it's just this iconic piece of music, and it just it just builds and swells, and by the end of it, you're like, I can. I can dig through that mountain. I don't have to climb it. I'm just going to go right through right, it. Right, right, right. Um, so, yeah, that's that's why he's on my list. But, I mean, we'll just keep going here. Ghost in the Darkness, Star Trek First Contact, Air Force One, U.S. Marshals, Small Soldiers, Star Trek, the, the original Mummy, The 13th Warrior, which if you haven't seen this movie, it's Antonio Banderas at his best. I love The 13th Warrior. If, I, I yeah, just yeah, love and it's it's also based off the Crichton book Eaters of the Dead, right? Which is based off the Beowulf type tale. Yeah, yeah. Um, the Last Castle, which also a great movie. Some of All Fears, Star Trek Nemesis. Two hundred and forty nine music credits to his name. Wow. Yeah, for a career spanning over fifty five years. Nice. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> I mean, crazy. Crazy body of work. That's all I got for Jerry Goldsmith. I don't know if you have anything to add. No, I just 
like so many movies you listed it's just yeah. those are phenomenal phenomenal scores right. and then it's funny like you know when I mentioned Stargate it's like every episode you see Jerry Goldsmith mm-hmm. Jerry Gold, you know what I mean yep. it's just that's that's one of those like it's, it's that big bucket of win if you will yes absolutely um, um, yeah it's um, just amazing amazing work um, so basically what we're saying is everyone needs to pay attention to those scores a little bit more I think <laughs> you know what I mean like everyone needs to pay attention to those music a little Probably. more like and, I'm, and I always like I always watch the Oscars and I get to like there's certain awards like look we're never going to always agree on the best picture when we get to those awards but it's always nice to see who gets named best picture the ones that are important to me are those tech awards your screenplays your scores your yeah. your your visual effects like those are the important awards to me and they're always right in the middle right so uh, but those tech awards are huge. Um, I don't know if Jerry Goldsmith's ever won any Oscars. I didn't but, even look um, to see that. But he's got some. He's definitely got movies that have been up there. Yeah. And he probably has been nominated several times. So. Um, but yeah, all right. So my next one um, is uh, Steve Jablonski. Okay, I know this one. You know that one. Yeah, all you right. didn't make my list, but yeah. All right, so he was he was, he was top ten. That's for sure. Okay, so Steve Jablonski, uh, known for um, the island, um, uh, the Gears of War video games, uh, <laughs> Friday the Thirteenth, um, Nightmare on Elm Street, uh, Battleship. That's a horrible movie, but he did it. <laughs> but he did it. Um, he did Ender's Game. Um, he did, I'm just taking a quick look. He did Keanu, if you saw that movie. <laughs> <laughs> um, he did Deepwater Horizon. There's a reason I pulled, there's a reason I put him on my list. Because mm-hmm. some of these movies I'm listing aren't the greatest, but the scores are fairly decent. Sure. Um, the reason he's on my list is Transformers. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's because of the Transformers, Transformers soundtrack. score And that is a, is that is a, fan that is a score that I can sit and listen to all, like, and I don't, I know he did the first four um, I'd have to double check. I don't know if he did. Um, oh, he did do the fifth one. Okay, so he did do the he did do uh, the last night. Um, but uh, he did those scores. They literally they stand out, and they're um, they're just this crazy like heroic like. I almost don't know what words to put to them, but they're yeah. they're soundtracks that like I put on in the car. Just mm-hmm. I'm like God. I love you know what I mean. Absolutely. Um, Specifically, the track "Arrival to Earth" from the original score. Um, as you're pulling it up right now, yeah, like, yeah, yeah, "Arrival to Earth" is literally That's, that 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 piece of music gives me goosebumps every time I hear it. Right, and I, you can picture the the, the scenes and the, the visuals that go with. Even that. if you can't picture it, just driving in your car with that music right. going, it's just amazing. Um, there's some really cool um, in in Dark of the Moon. He's got some really cool pieces like uh, like Sentinel Prime. Uh, that track is, it's very repetitive, but mm-hmm. it's the way it builds, and you're just like, God, this is good. You know what I mean? And you get out of the car, and then it's just in your head. Right. Like, <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, his work is kind of a bit of a um, earworm, if you will, like almost mm-hmm. that, that spe- those specific movies. But he, I, he makes my list specifically because of the Transformers scores. Absolutely. And whether I like the movies or dislike the movies, whatever your opinion of them are, the it doesn't music. matter. That music, yeah. holy cow. Um, so so yeah. good, so good. Yeah, it, the only reason I didn't pick him was because it was really solely for the Transformers, and I'm like, he'd make an honorable mention, but because eh. I really don't care for much of the other movies that were on that list. I'm just like, I'm not a huge horror guy. I'm not, you know, real big into some of the that other stuff. So, but you know, Steve Jablonski for Transformers alone, 
definitely deserves a mention. <clears throat> All right. Well, our, I'm assuming at this point, because it has not come up in conversation yet, is we matched on this final one. I would hope so. I would hope so, because we haven't talked about it yet. Um, <laughs> but technically, you get to go first. So what is it? Uh, John Williams? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, if yes. you don't know who John Williams is, just go play under your rock, because <laughs> there's no hope for you. John um, Williams left nothing left to be said, and Andy can verify this. Everybody else that I brought, I brought a piece of paper with every credit for music they had on it. Andy, what is on this piece of paper in front of me right now? Uh, you have 493 film credits for John Williams going all the way back to 1965. Correct, but what is on this piece of paper? Um... It just says John Williams. It does. You don't need anything else. The name <laughs> okay. speaks for itself. Right. It certainly does. Um, if you, for some reason, don't know, if for some reason you don't know who John Williams is, um, he did. <laughs> okay. Hold I don't on. know if you've ever heard of this movie or a group of movies called Star Wars. <laughs> um, Star Wars, Jaws, E.T. Um, He's Home another Alone. one where Steven Spielberg says, "Hey." I'm making a movie and you're doing the sound or you're doing ba the score. You're basically Indiana Jones, um, uh, Wimbledon. Apparently, he did that <laughs> one. I didn't know he did Wimbledon. Um, Coming but, up this year, we have the Olympics. He's done both of those. Yeah, songs. the the Olymp Not only has he done though, it's just that that song is the way it is because John Williams, John Williams did, it. did it. That's why that song is the yes. way it is. So you um, got um, Schindler's List. Apparently, he did Ted Two, which I did not realize. <laughs> <laughs> which I did not realize. Um, <laughs> That's incredible. <laughs> um, he, he did several pieces for uh, The Big Bang Theory. Okay. Um, which I th which which is interesting, but it looks like it's like iterations of like the Raiders March from Raiders of the Lost Ark, sure. Imperial March. They were they weren't like the actual Pieces. cuts, but he, they were like iterations that he tweaked specifically for them. Um, uh, yeah, it, John Williams is I think what was it fifty eight total nominations? Probably that's seems... it's like fifty eight total Oscar nominations, and I think he's got like. He's like one away from like taking for having. He's like one win away from having more than Walt Disney. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, he's like probably the most decorated. Um, yeah, he's got to be the most decorated film composer of all time. Right. He's got to be probably one of the most decorated people in film history of all time. Right, and, um, and this John Williams is a movie maker. Yeah, like if you have him as your score. Your movie cannot fail, basically. Um, we talked about Superman earlier. Yeah. He did the theme for Superman. Did the theme for Superman. Home Alone was a turd. <laughs> and they swung for the fence and got John Williams, and yeah. he wrote the score, and they re-edited the movie to match his score. Right. Um, like, the man is beyond human when it comes to designing music for movies. Uh, Jurassic Park. For yeah. one, mm -hmm. um, that whole, that original Jurassic Park oh, score, like that that score that everyone knows, that triumphant, oh uh, that God. trumpet fanfare and everything, like so amazingly right. good. Right. But he's another one. Like you'll definitely tell when it's a John Williams piece. Like he's very yeah, yeah, big yeah. on the brass, but he loves his oboe. Like he loves his oboe. Too. Right, and he so. loves and he loves the string sections. Mm -hmm. Um. 
I mentioned that we were going to talk about this earlier in terms of an uh, artist influencing himself. Um, oh, he did Harry Potter. Yeah. Um, but the uh, in terms of influencing himself, when you look at, and I'm going to use Star Wars as an example, because um, Star Wars had these weird gaps in its history, where you see you, you know, the original three films, and they were very unique and everything in terms of their score. Right. Um, and Williams has talked heavily about he, how he likes to watch the movie silent. Like, not silent, like, he likes to watch the movie with no music, mm-hmm. so, like, they give him the rough cut of the film, and then he writes the piece, and then they record all the music, which, that's just, that's mind-boggling to me that right. you would think, like, that that way, but, um, the, uh, but he just hears it in his head, I guess, right. you know what I mean? He, um, he was born in 1932, so he's, uh, getting up there. Uh, he's, um, he's retired at this point. Yeah, he's, well, yeah, he is still doing some because he said he's going to do. He said he will do the score for Indiana Jones Five. Okay, um, and I don't know to what capacity, but um, he'll. It's going to be a sad day when yeah he passes. Um, the Star Wars specifically, he does the first three movies. They're very unique. They have that Star Wars film feel. They have the. They basically not only did Star Star Wars is a movie that I think really put him on the map. Specifically. Oh, absolutely, it really was. But Star Wars rewrote the book in so many facets. After Star Wars, John Williams goes on to do like Indiana Jones and all these other... He's doing movie, 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 movie. He then does Jurassic Park, which has this very specific sound, and he wrote that specifically for this. It's got this like jungle feel and all that stuff. Oh, yeah. No, it's it's got a very wild, almost tribal feel to it. When you get to the prequel films, and I'm going to call out episode Star Wars Episode 3 specifically, there is a heavy, heavy influence on from Jurassic Park. Mm Mm-hmm to oh, that movie and I spotted it one day when I was in the car I'm like wow this sounds like Jurassic Park um, and it's like there's like this raptor sequence mm-hmm. that sounds very very familiar to this General Grievous sequence absolutely and it's clear that he influenced himself you know what I mean and you can tell and it's interesting is I can like you could play a piece of a John Williams score I if, if I don't know the movie right away because there's those famous moments mm-hmm. but if you play a moment in a movie that I might not call out right away, if I can't tell you the name, I know exactly which era of film it was. Sure. If that makes sense. Yeah. You could, like, I could tell you if it's before or after Jurassic Park, you know what I mean? Right. Like, or before or after certain Star Wars mm-hmm. films. Like, it's just you know where certain things land. So. Yeah. No, it's... We can't say enough you good. Can, we could literally do an entire show on John, John Williams, yeah, and that's could. and that's and why it's like we're, we're so I feel much, like we're running out of words because we don't know how else to blow him up. Right, and, and <laughs> so. I'm sure we've not mentioned your favorite John Williams movie because there are so many. Right. So sorry, um, but just know it's probably one of ours too. I mean, I guess yeah. There's no other really way to say that. So. Um. Yeah, John Williams, awesome. Yeah. Everybody, awesome. Awesome. Everyone Music is... in movies gives it emotion and makes them what they are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There was no way we weren't talking about them, and I figured when I when we were going through, I was like, wow, we're both saving Williams for last. And, oh, absolutely. Yeah. You have to. Um, <laughs> if you die, and, we like... both, and we both went and saw uh, Star Wars in concert. Which, yeah. Man, that would, was a man, fantastic show. would I love to see that again. Honestly, I would. I, that would be fantastic, but you know what? Another thing I'd like to go see would be um, the Chicago Symphony Orchestra do a live to the movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That would be another one that I would love to go see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That that so. would be amazing. Well, anyway, um, let's uh, put this episode in the can and call it, call it a night. I like it. Um, okay. Peter will be back next week. No, um, he wasn't. 
I fired him, remember? He's, he's done. He's not coming back. <laughs> well, anyway, Peter should be back next week. And if you remember from before he left, the list Peter and I planned for next week are as, as we decide to take a look at the film career of Arnold Schwarzenegger. Yes! Um, so Peter and I will be discussing Arnold Schwarzenegger films. Get to the um, chopper! And uh, so that should be a ton of fun. Um so please join us next week. But for right now, in the meantime, please check out our website, top5report.com. There you'll find links to all of our social media, Twitter and Facebook, along with the link to our email, top5report at gmail.com. You can hit us up with the email, hit us on the social media. Either way works. Um, we're on Google Play, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts. You can subscribe to us in those places. You all right? Do you need a glass of water? <laughs> get the cough. I'm choking on the previous drink of water I just get, had. Get the coughs out. Um, Sorry. Yes, if you subscribe to us at those places, uh, you will not miss a single episode. Um, you can also leave us a review. We love those five stars, but we understand criticism because it helps us get better and it makes the words we say feel important. Uh, you can follow me personally on Twitter and Instagram at Drew3927. Uh, Adam, do you want him to follow you anywhere? No. No, there's, there's really no place to follow me because... Again, I'm just not that interesting. Okay, <laughs> that's fair. Um, all right, well, in that case, uh, everyone for the Top 5 Report, I'm Drew. I'm Adam. And we'll see you next week. Thanks for listening. <laughs>